would like you to turn with me to Romans chapter, um, Romans chapter 12. And uh, as I indicated, this uh, is a, a little passage. I'll be looking at primarily just verse 12. And uh, it is focused uh, towards uh, it is focused towards the goal uh, of of praying, encouraging, and enabling us to be constant uh, in prayer. Um, this is a delightful passage. Glad to dip into Romans again, having preached through it uh, some time back. Romans chapter 12, beginning uh, with uh, verse 9 and reading through verse 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Continue, uh, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Again, pray with me. Lord, we ask that through your spirit you would um, cause this uh, brief passage of scripture to again uh, penetrate our hearts, stir our souls, Encourage us, Lord, to serve you, and in particular, to serve you wisely in prayer. To know how to pray for people who are suffering. Lord, we ask that you would be our teacher this day. In the name of Christ. Amen. The early church was uh, devoted uh, to prayer. Uh, Jesus had said, has said them, had told them that the, the gift, the Holy Spirit, was coming... And so they were gathered to pray for the coming of the Spirit as Jesus promised. And the Spirit did come. And the Spirit did propel them to fulfill fulfill their mission. Do you remember taking the gospel, first of all, in Jerusalem, then Samaria, to Judea, Judea, then the ends of the earth? In the early decades of the church, they continued to be devoted to prayer. We remember Acts 2, verse 42, that says uh, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God that would form their hearts and lives. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were with one another. Everyone had the same father, and they got that, that that united them. Uh, They were also devoted to the breaking of bread, which may have included something like chili or the... Comparison meal in that in that area, but it certainly included the Lord's Supper, as they fed upon the body of Christ again to help them live a life uh, of uh, obedience to Him. And they were finally devoted to the prayers, the prayers, not just praying, but the prayers as the church would gather together for the purpose of uh, of, of prayer. The early church was devoted to prayer, but also, not only as this passage says, uh, be constant in prayer. Paul makes the same kind of statement in 1 Thessalonians, where he says, pray without ceasing, and he wraps it similarly. Rejoice always, 
Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. As Romans 12 says, rejoice in hope. Uh, Pray without ceasing. Uh, Giving thanks in all circumstances, Thessalonians says. Here he says, be patient in affliction. Pray. Constantly. Hoping. And persevering. Third, thirdly, uh, this call to prayer, to prayer that is constant, is really an expression of the opening phrases here in chapter 12, verse 9. Um, verse 9 uh, governs the rest of this passage through the end of the chapter. It, it, it describes what is genuine love. It is a pithy way to describe and really to summarize the verses that we're talking about tonight. When you have hard times, you may be, you may be, um, you may be tempted to question God's love, both your faith in, in the gospel and your love for others can become fragile. And yet genuine love for God is tested and purified by fire. And so he says here in our text, um, genuine love will rejoice in hope even when things look bleak in the short run. Genuine love will be patient in affliction because you know that God is purposeful. The best is yet to come. And so this is an encouragement uh, to be constant in prayer. It's, it's the lifestyle of the church, and it is an expression of our genuine love for God. But there is another, another rationale or reason for you to be constant in prayer, and that is that God's affection for you is unwavering. That's why we pray. That's why we're encouraged to pray, because God's affection for us is unwavering. The theologians have a fancy word for it, and and it is called the impassibility of God. And and what that means is that God does not have passions like we do. That he doesn't experience emotional ups and downs at all. That what you do or don't do doesn't change his affection for you. He is never cold. He is never aloof. And he is never without mercy. He started loving you a long, long time ago before the creation of the world. And the things that you and I do in this life do not cause that love to waver. And yet we also read in Hosea that even as God was was judging his people, he said, my heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. In, In other words, seeing God's people suffering arouses his compassion. You might think that if he is growing warm and growing tender, that means that a little while back, he was kind of chilly and kind of harsh towards his people. But the Bible is using human language to help us to know that that, uh, God is far above us and that he has always had infinite warmth and tenderness towards us. And so we pray when we are going through those difficult times, we still rejoice in hope. 
and when we are, are, are going through tribulations, or others are, we pray for patience because we know that God is unchanging in His view, His affection, His warmth towards us. So I'd, I'd like us to consider this phrase, constant in prayer, from the vantage point of the two prior phrases in the verse. Rejoice in hope, being constant in prayer. Be patient in tribulation, being constant in prayer. You see, every day is an opportunity uh, to abide with Christ. Stress teaches us dependence if we would but listen. And we take a lesson from Psalm 73. Nevertheless, I'm always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you take me into glory. Whom have I therefore in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my, por- of my heart and my portion forever. So we are abiding in the impassibility of God, in his constant, unmoving affection for us. So let's pray this way. And let's pray for others this way. Dear Jesus, by your grace, help me to rejoice in hope. Very simple. Dear Jesus, by your grace, help me to be one of those who rejoices in hope. Good things, of course, can lead us to forget God. Hard things, of course, can lead us to doubt Him. Yes, comfort can lead to complacency. Yes, suffering can lead to a quiet desperation that spreads like a poisonous gas over our whole lives. One thing to remember in the midst of that suffering is the impassibility of God. He does not fluctuate with your emotions. He does not fluctuate with your obedience or disobedience. He is there constantly. His mood does not change when yours does. So we are able to pray even when we are going through difficulties and we are able to pray for others. The the glorious prayer, uh, give me the grace to pray or give me a grace to live with an eye to the future. The earth surely has nothing that we desire besides God. You see that, don't you? It's nothing that we, we can gain on this planet that will outweigh, that will outweigh uh, the glory and the desirability of God. And so we simply should not base our happiness on things that we can lose. And we say instead, with the psalmist, we say, don't for a moment lose contact with heaven. That perhaps is the source of our great rejoicing and hope. Do not lose contact with heaven. So how do we pray for the suffering church? We pray for them, rejoice in hope. We pray for them, rejoice in hope. We, we have, have prayed and thought, when Mike McCabe was here a while back, he, he mentioned the, the early rain church in, in Chengdu, I think it is, China, um, that uh, they have been persecuted. Um, they have been, their, their meeting place was, was destroyed. Uh, they were broken up into small groups. The pastor, a very powerful leader, was sentenced to nine years in jail. And as that church was, was splintered and spread out across the countryside, it actually 
it mushroomed in size. The number of people that gathered in their smaller communities, in their smaller groups, was actually larger than the ones who were meeting together in the large group. <laughs> they, they, they have learned to rejoice in hope, to live with fidelity to God, to live with joy in Him that is contagious. And those around them gathering to wonder and marvel at who God is. And, and, and these individuals, um, as, as any one of us will be, um, um, each uh, joyful, suffering saint is declaring that real life is later. The joyful and suffering saint is declaring in ways that people can see that the real life is later. We, we think of the words of the Apostle Peter in the fourth chapter of, of, of Acts, where, where he uh, and, and a fellow disciple are being, are being uh, whipped and, and, and uh, scourged by, by their opponents. And, and what is common is, is, is he counted himself blessed to be worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. That's what he called it, the name. The name of Jesus. And so we pray that those who are suffering would rejoice in hope, that they would be strengthened in their hope in the reigning king, the name, because they're on their way to glory. Well, secondly then, we, we pray, dear Jesus, by your grace, Help us be patient in affliction. You have an opportunity to abide in Christ now, okay? You're in the midst of, of, of tribulation. You're in, in the midst of affliction. Dear Jesus, by your grace, help us to be patient in affliction. Now, if joy comes from future hope, patience grows in adversity. You don't become more patient when your life is going great. <laughs> you become a little bit, well... Self-indulgent, I suppose. But patience grows in adversity. There is no sorrow that can overwhelm you. Um, you can bear your cross with poise until your happiness is literally from another world. Joy in hope gives patience in affliction. I was struck by a story this morning that I read of two United States military, former U.S. military uh, men who, um, who have gone recently, in fact, just after a first, uh, the first couple of days of the, of the conflict in, in Ukraine. They went there in order to specifically support the war effort without carrying a gun, without carrying any weapons. They were moved as they finally got into Ukraine. They were moved by the love that the Ukrainians have for one another, but also for their country. They were moved by the selflessness that they observed in people caring for each other, even some they didn't know. They had a hard time paying for a meal. People wanted instead to give to them, even as they were giving to one another. In fact, they, the writer said that he had never seen such hospitality or, or kindness. And it struck me, similar, it struck me that the motto for the town in which they ended up, in which they were serving, uh, was we, it, something like this. He said, this is a loose translation. 
we all sleep under the same blanket. We, we all uh, are together, similar to the phrase in Ecclesiastes, it's a strand of, of three uh, cords is not easily broken. And so this group, together, united, sleeping under the same blanket, helping each other, reminds us of what it means to be united in Christ. And therefore, the way we serve and love one another, we are tireless in our prayers. God gives affliction to increase grace in us. And and this really does guide us in how we pray. We pray for the suffering church. We pray for the Christians. For example, in Nigeria, where our brother Richard Gardner is right now, we, we pray for patience in affliction. My goodness, we are delighted that those two uh, young girls who were kidnapped, one 19 and one 11 years old, that they were released without substantial harm. We are so glad for that. And yet we know that persecution is a normal state of affairs for Christians. The way the apostle mentions it or describes it, you're going to suffer even as Jesus did, even as I have, It will be momentary. That's the relief that you get from suffering. It is momentary. Collapsed into this life. Relief is coming for sure. Maybe now, but for sure later. And so we pray for patience in affliction. We pray for Richard Gardner now. Deb told us this week that... He is traveling around the countryside of it. This time, this time it was, it's Nigeria. And he was not given the armed guard that he was promised. And so we pray for his safety, but also for patience in that affliction. We, we know and celebrate the fact that on the cross, Christ endured Suffering. He persevered. He took the bitter cup of God's wrath and he drained it to the dregs that there would be none left for us. He drained it so that we wouldn't have to touch it on our lips. God is impassable. He is good. He does good. He is inflexible in that respect. And so we trust him. We trust him today. And we must learn the lesson that God reigns in heaven even when we don't get what we want. He still reigns. He rules for the good of his church. And so we pray for patience in affliction, rejoicing in the hope that is before us. Because we too are on a wartime footing. We too have each other's back. We're praying for each other. We're supporting each other in that. You could summarize this, ma- this, this message in these words, that we are praying for our own hearts and the hearts of, of fellow sufferers that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Know the love of Christ that is, that is on this earth unknowable, at least in its full extent. And yet the Lord gives us more and more of a vision and, and an experience and an appreciation for that love. It is an ocean which has no floor and no sides. It is an ocean of his love. And so we therefore have every reason to be people who rejoice in hope 
We are patient in affliction, and therefore, on that basis, we can be constant in prayer. Let us pray together. Lord, we do um, thank you. Um, We thank you for the love that you have granted to us uh, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit by the work of Jesus on the cross. Your love is expressed to us in your redemption, in your electing grace, in your regenerating, regenerating grace, and in your redemption. And so we pray that as we pray in, in just a few minutes, it would be fueled by that sense of your love. We pray, Lord, that even in this moment, your spirit would be active in us, uh, softening our hearts and strengthening our hearts at the same time. We pray these things in the blessed name of God. Amen.